No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we continue our study of the law given to Moses with laws controlling animals and protecting private property. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 21 on Simply the Bible. We continue today in Exodus 21:28 as God gives animal control laws to Moses. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, then the ox shall surely be stoned, and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall be acquitted. After the flood, God told Noah, Surely, for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. We have seen how God instituted capital punishment for murder, Now we see how he also required the death of an animal that killed a person. If an ox gored a person to death, then it would be stoned, and no one was to eat the flesh because it was considered defiled for taking the life of a human. The owner of the animal would be innocent. But if the ox tended to thrust with its horn in times past, and it has been made known to its owner, and he has not kept it confined, so that it has killed a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner also shall be put to death. If there is imposed on him a sum of money, then he shall pay to redeem his life, whatever is imposed on him, whether it has gored a son or gored a daughter. According to this judgment, it shall be done to him. Now, as they traveled in the wilderness, there were no property fences. Therefore, if you had an animal that you knew was violent, it was your responsibility to confine it in some way. So in this case, the owner was liable for the death of the person because of his own negligence, and he could receive capital punishment. However, since the death was due to negligence and not intentional, it was possible that a sum of money could be imposed on him either by the judges or by a family member of the deceased, so that he could then redeem his life. Verse 32, If the ox gores a male or female servant, he shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. In this case, the owner of the ox would pay the master 30 shekels of silver, which was the going rate of a slave. It's interesting that this is the same amount given to Judas for betraying Christ. The chief priests assigned the same value to Jesus as to a slave. Verse 33. And if a man opens a pit, or if a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls in it, the owner of the pit shall make it good. He shall give money to their owner, but the dead animal shall be his. Now they would dig pits as cisterns to collect water. And it was an open well, which you would take your bucket and lower it into the well to get the water. Years ago, I saw such a well in Romania at a person's home, and it had sides. But the cisterns that they would dig in the desert were often just holes in the ground. And so it would be very important that they would keep it covered. And if the owner of the cistern failed to do this and an ox or a donkey fell into it and died, then he would have to compensate the owner of the animal. He could eat the dead ox... But if it was a donkey, there would be no stakes tonight. 
Verse 35. If one man's ox hurts another's so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and divide the money from it, and the dead ox they shall also divide. Or if it was known that the ox tended to thrust in time past, and its owner has not kept it confined, he shall surely pay ox for ox, and the dead animal shall be his own. In the case of a first offense, the owner of the ox was considered innocent, so everything was split down the middle. The man and his neighbor would sell the live ox and divide the proceeds, and then divide the meat of the dead ox. But if the ox was a repeat offender, then the owner was held responsible for not confining it, and he would pay his neighbor an ox of equal value, and then keep the meat of the dead ox for himself. We see in these laws that God cares about the lives of animals and about the rights of their owners. We now come to laws concerning the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal, and we see that the concept of restitution runs through these. Chapter 22, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, he shall restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. If a man stole an ox or sheep and it was no longer in his possession, then he would have to restore five oxen for an ox and four sheep for a sheep. Certainly, this would be a deterrent to stealing. Since there were no jails, the punishment had to be so severe that crime did not pay. When we consider that in our culture, we have overcrowded prisons at the cost of tens of millions of taxpayer dollars, this doesn't seem like such a bad idea. Perhaps the restitution for an ox was more than a sheep because an ox was the modern equivalent of a tractor, and without it, a man would be severely hindered in working his field. If the thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. If a thief broke into your home at night and you killed him, you were innocent because you couldn't know what his intentions were. This was considered self-defense. But if you killed him in the daylight, then you would be punished because you could see that he was only threatening your stuff and not you. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. The principle of restitution was so important that if the thief couldn't pay it, then he would be sold as a slave until he could pay it in full. Now, if he was caught red-handed so that the animal was still in his possession then he would only have to restore it double rather than four or five times as much. Later, there was a further modification to this law. If the thief felt guilty about what he had done and came forward on his own accord, then he would have to restore the animal and add only 20% to it. So this was an incentive to come clean quickly. Verse 5. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. 
This would be a challenge because they didn't usually have fenced properties as we do today. So if your animal was grazing and he went into another person's field, you would have to restore from the best of your field or vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that stacked grain, standing grain, or the field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. Now, we aren't told how the fire broke out, but it's safe to assume that negligence was involved for the person kindled the fire but failed to keep it from spreading. If the fire consumed the stacked grain or the field, then he would have to make full restitution. What a deterrent. This would be to the arsonist to have to pay for the buildings he burned down. There is a good application for us in this, for many people kindle fires of strife with their tongues. James tells us, see how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. All it takes is one little spark of gossip, and a person's complete reputation can be torched. And my, how quickly that sweet morsel of gossip spreads to defile many. Imagine if we had to make full restitution to those whose reputations we've burned in the minds of others. I'm especially concerned with how quickly such forest fires start on the social media and consume thousands in their wake. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep and it is stolen out of the man's house, if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. For any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or any kind of lost thing which another claims to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges, and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor." When your neighbor gave you his goods in trust to keep, you had a great responsibility. Now, if a thief stole them and they were recovered, then the thief would pay double and you were off the hook. But if the thief was not found, then you would have to appear before the judges and they would determine if you were telling the truth. If the judges determined that you lied and that you kept the goods yourself, then you have to pay back double. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or driven away, no one seeing it, then an oath of the Lord shall be between them both that he has not put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not make it good. But if, in fact, it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast... Then he shall bring it as evidence, and he shall not make good what was torn. So if the animal died or was injured or driven away, then you would have to take an oath that you had nothing to do with that, and your neighbor would have to accept your oath. And if the animal was killed by a beast, then you would have to bring the carcass as evidence, but you would be innocent. I would think twice about borrowing anything or holding it in trust for my neighbor. Verse 14, and if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, 
the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. If you borrowed something from your neighbor without him being there, then you were responsible for it. But if your neighbor came over and something happened, then he was responsible. If you rented it, then it came for its rental and the owner was responsible, not you. I think the lesson here is that if you're going to borrow something from your neighbor, make sure that you serve pizza. That way he'll come over and if something happens, it's on him. In all these laws, we see God is a God of justice who looks after everybody. But we also see how important it is that whenever we damage somebody else, that we do everything we can to make it right. Restitution is a principle of God's law. And sadly, it's a principle that is often neglected today. May God help us put things right with those that we've injured. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. Tomorrow we'll study God's moral and humanitarian laws and laws concerning worship. It's all part of knowing and understanding His righteousness. We hope you'll join us as we continue in Exodus on Simply the Bible. 